Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Hi, welcome to Save the Cowboy. If this is your first time here, man, welcome. Maybe it's your first time at Save the Cowboy. Maybe you're coming back after a long time or something. You are in the right place today, okay? You are in the right place this is my first time at the uh, new format, so if you're, we've got a just a packed house. This is cool. This is cool. So uh, welcome to Save the Cowboy. If you're watching online for the first time, uh, we are live broadcasting from Kiowa, Colorado, which is about 30 miles southeast of Denver, and my name is Kevin Weatherby. Uh, we usually have two others, uh, two of our cowboys up here with us. Ty Weber is our ranch manager, and Mitch Gorman is our, uh, runs our Raymer Ranch down there and both of them are sick um i wasn't here two weeks ago because i had a cousin that i had to go do a funeral for in texas and did that and got the got the bug down there so i missed last week but i'm glad to be back and not having too many problems except for getting a little bit winded so if i just fall out during this deal it'll be fine it'll be fine not really not really it's good to see everybody here oh thank you all right never know Never know. So uh, we're just going to get started this morning. Um, I wrote a couple of announcements. If you are going, if you have signed up already or you would like some information, we're going to have a short meeting about our trip to Italy uh, right after service. So stick around. We'll just meet right over here for just a few minutes. And then if you're a Long X Ranch Cowboy, we do have a conference call tonight, right, Sarah? Yes. Okay. All right. With that being said, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. So I need to give you a refresher because it's been three weeks since, does anybody remember the story from last time? Oh, I can just make up whatever I want to, right? No, no, not really. Uh, so la last time I was here, we talked about being distracted, okay? We talked about things that distract us. Now, there, there's, a, there's a million things, but maybe we can lump some of them together into some broad, broad categories. And the things that we talked about, not an exclusive list of distractions, but we talked about examples of, the biggest examples of the things that distract Christians from the things that are important. We talked about things of this world being a distraction. And I mean, then that subcategory goes on forever, right? Things of this world can distract us from our relationship with God. Our own desires can take us away from God. We talked about how our thinking can take us away from God. We talked about, my favorite one, how other people can be a distraction uh, with our relationship with God. And then we talked about our circumstances and how our circumstances can be an example of a uh, distraction. So, I will try to get through this the best I can today. I will tell you all that the only effects that I have of the Rona are I get tired real easy and I have the brain fog. So, if I start just not making sense, just smile and just be gracious. And then you can talk about me behind your back. I don't care. I don't care. So anyway, but before we dive into the meat of today, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much.
for the people that you have brought here today. There is not a single person here today watching online or listening on the radio that is not here, that they're not here by chance. You wanted them here today to hear your word. And God, be with me as I try to deliver that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. So the last time I left you with a story of pulling up to a place and we were going to, me and a friend of mine were going to doctor some, uh, some yearlings and they were still small. So they, you know, they wasn't weighing 900 pounds, but you know, they, they aren't, you know, branding age calves either. And so we pulled up and I mean, I am not kidding. We pull up, we go to get the horses out and literally like right here where this projector is, is this, you know, 400 pound yearling. Both of his ears, he looks like he's half bramer because his ears are just pointing straight down. He got snot coming out of his nose. His eyes are watering. This poor fella does not feel good at all. And the last thing I wanted to do was run him. So before he wandered off, I get my, uh, get my horse out and I put my bridle on and everything. I get my rope and I pull it down already and I get on and I'm just going to sneak up to him and just because I will poach a calf all day long. Y'all others that, you know, still trying to define yourselves, y'all can chase stuff all day and look cowboy cool. I cheat, okay? I'm telling you right now, I cheat. So I'm going to try to cheat, and, I mean, I'm tied on, right? So all I have to do is just like, do-do-do-do-do, right? Well, right before I went, it went, well, my good, faithful, trusty steed, the noblest of all horses, which is why I named him Butthead, knows what to do when a calf runs off that I've got my eye on. What does he do? Follows it. The calf has got a jet of fire coming out of his rectum about this far. He has the afterburners on. He's not even touching the ground. And Budhead is right on his tail. And I'm like, well, fine. Let's get him roped. I take one swing, and right as I'm fixing to throw, Budhead realizes that I have not warmed him up. And so he decided to show his displeasure while my loop is in the air of just bogging his head and pitching, which was about the time I was distracted by the thought, as my loop goes on the calf, since my horse is bucking, he's not running as fast, so immediately the loop pulls tight, and I think to myself, did I tighten my cinch? Distractions. I mean, it's one thing to know what the distractions are. My horse is bucking. That is a distraction. Did I tighten my cinch? That's another distraction. But today we're going to talk about what to do with those distractions. How can we get past them? Are there anything that the Bible teaches us on how to deal with distractions? It's one thing to know where they come from, right? I mean, you can't do something about something that you don't even realize is a distraction. But once you have noticed that, what do we do about them? Well, the first thing on dealing with distractions is I just told you what it was. You've got to be able to identify them, right? We've got to be able to know what a distraction is. And the distractions are everywhere. Distractions are everywhere. They're, they're here right now, you know? Some people might think that babies in church are a distraction because every time one cries, everybody turns around and looks. Let's do an experiment today. Try to pay attention. If something is distracting you, and, and quite frankly, and I tell this to all the parents, if your baby cries anywhere, I want it to be in here. Because you know what a baby crying in church means? It means that their parents love them enough to be the best parents they can be by following God. So that is the happiest sound in the entire world. 
Don't let it distract you. You've all heard and seen what a baby looks like crying, right? And I'm just using that as as an easy example of how it is to be distracted. So if you know that a baby's crying and it can be distracted, just tell yourself, I know what a baby crying looks like. I don't have to turn around and look. That one kind of sounded serious. Did somebody just give birth back there? Wow. (laughs) That was impressive. I'm glad I'm not that baby's mom. Or any baby's mom, for that matter. Maybe I should have said dad. Not really. I'm joking. I'm joking. But you've got to be able to know what it is that distracts you. And you know what? Something that might distract you might not be distracting to me. I don't know. It probably is because I'm very, very easily distractible. Okay? But we've got to be able to identify them, right? It doesn't matter if they're big. It doesn't matter if they're small. A distraction is a distraction. How about this? What distracts you? Social media? Notifications on your phone? Listen. I'm going to tell y'all something. I am so distractible that I'm telling you this. If you send me or our page on social media, if you send me a message on there, I do not get a notification of it. There's too many. It would just go, ding, ding, ding. I don't even get notifications that I get new emails. I get too many of them, right? So I know that those things are distracting, so I just don't get any notifications. And everybody's like, oh, you're always on Facebook. You're always on social media. I post a lot. I do not browse a lot. I go in there. I say what I want to say, which is usually I try to either be funny or encouraging. One of those two things is nearly all I post, encouragement or funny, personal and business-wise, right? But I don't get notifications. I don't get notifications. I know that they're a distraction. Social media, how about the distraction of working too much? I mean, it can be a thing. You know, you just think, well, I got to get this done, and I got to get this done, and I got to get this done. And it just, because you're never going to get anything done, right? We know that. How about chances to be lazy? Well, I ain't got nothing going on, so I'm not going to be productive for seven years, right? I know people like that. Uh, TV. I mean, how often do you just sit in front of that dumb box? After COVID, I don't care if I ever see another TV in my life, right? I mean, uh, distractions. Social media, overwork. Chances to be lazy, TV. How about the ever-present snack and drink monster? You just get started. I don't know what it is about you females. I'm just going to say, my wife can't get in the car without a snack bag and a six-pack of vitamin water or something. I probably wouldn't drink for three days if it wasn't for my wife. I might have a glass of water. I'm the worst dehydrated person in the world. But I'm just saying that there's always, you know, getting hungry or thirsty or always thinking about a snack. There's so many distractions. We've got to be able to identify what is it that is keeping you from knowing what is important. What are the things that take you away from your relationship with God? What are things that take you away from being the best employee that you can be? What are the things that take you away from being the husband, father, uncle, aunt, grandparent, boyfriend, girlfriend? What are those things that take you away from what is important? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, in the Simplified Cowboy Version, says this, Since there are so many cowboys and cowgirls around, let's cut the hobbles that are keeping us tied down. Let us ride with strength and power in the gathering that we've been called to. Let's cut off, let's undo the hobbles of everything that is keeping us from running this race that God has called us to. Identify what your distractions are. That's the first step in dealing with them. You can't deal with something that you don't think is a problem, right? And then this. Once you identify them, what do you think you have to do? Get rid of them. 
Get rid of them. Get rid of the guilty pleasures if they are controlling you. Okay? And when I mean controlling you, I'm talking about what we just got through saying. That they take you away from your relationship with God or the things that are important in life. If you've got some of those guilty pleasures that are getting in the way of you being who you know God wants you to be, get rid of them. And if you have to ask yourself, is that a guilty pleasure that's keeping me away from God and the people that I love the most in my life? If you have to ask that question, the answer is probably yes, just so you know. It's, it's just a, a hint, right? Probably yes. Distractions aren't just things, though. We talked about it the last time. Distractions can be people, too. Listen, I, I put this thing out that I think y'all have a misconception of me, that I'm always busy. That is true and not true, okay? I do not sit there and not do something well. Okay, I, I don't just, I'm not good at just sitting there. So if you ask me, have you been busy? I'm going to say yes, because I'm going to find something to do, right? I'm just kind of a busybody, right? But if I am talking to somebody, not to say that I'm, you know, anything, but if I'm talking to somebody and I'm on my like, you're telling me a story and I'm on my third, oh yeah, and my ninth, no kidding, and the fifth, ah, oh, you don't say. You better wind it up pretty quick, okay? That is texting for, let's get to the end. Let's get to the end. Let's get to the end, right? But I'm just saying that there can be distractions from, from unlikely places, and it's okay to say, you know what? A lot of times what I've been doing is putting good boundaries on things, and when I call somebody, you know, for whatever reason, I say, I got about 10 minutes. How are you? And I stick to that. Now, not every time, but dealing with the distractions. Get a game plan together, and not all... Not all distractions are things, and not all distractions are people. How about this one? Can gossip be a distraction? Preach it, girl. Preach it. Preach it. Not all distractions are physical things, like things and people. How about this? Gossip. Can that be a distraction? Remember, do you know what old so-and-so said the other day? That can be a distraction. It's not who God wants us to be, right? What about getting mad? Oh, I'm, I'm the king of that. I can blow my stack quick. I was a fighter before I... Gave my life to God, and I still got a little bit left over. But anger can be a distraction, right? Anger can be a distraction. Uh, you know, somebody stabbing you in the back can be a distraction, right? Or whatever, whatever. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 41, in the Simplified Cowboy Version, it says this, There's no place in your saddlebags for, back, for backbiting, rage, gossip, harsh talk, or anything else that will bring dishonor to God. What is distracting you? And what are you doing about it? So we have to identify what the distractions are. We need to get rid of them if we can. Put in good boundaries if we can't. Switch your environment. Sometimes you just got to get away from it. You know, listen, when, when I, uh, years ago, when I had four kids and a grandbaby at the house, and you're an author, and you're trying to, paraphrase the entire New Testament of the Bible, that is not a very productive environment. And, and, and all of my kids and even my, well, I don't want to say my grandkids. My kids were well behaved. My granddaughter's just an angel, except when she's not. And it's not that often. It's not that often. But it just wasn't a conducive environment to study and write and paraphrase. So what did I do? I got with my buddy, Neil Wilson, at State Farm in Elizabeth, and he goes, I've got a little extra office you can use. So I'd go up there, and I'd shut the door, and I'd finish that sucker after 12 years. Sometimes you've got to change your environment. It doesn't mean that anything's going wrong, but it's still a distraction, right? 
if you're trying to do home workouts, you know, during COVID, everybody's like, oh, you know, gyms are closed. I'm just going to do a home workout. Yeah, how well did that work out for you? Not that great, I'm betting. you got to have an iron will to work out at home. Sarah's the only one I know that can do it. Sometimes. <laughs> I just threw her under the bus. Not really. She does a great job. She does a great job. Listen, there's a people environment, too. What is the environment of the people that you hang out with? Are you the smartest person in your group? If you are, you might need to find a new group. But somebody once said that, they're, that you are the product of the five people you hang around the most. If that's true, who are you? Who are you? Man, I'm sorry, but sometimes when you become a Christian, when you really, no, I'm not going to say become a Christian. When you truly start trying to walk with God every single day, there's going to be some people that come into your life that will dang near save it. But there will also be people that try to drag you back into that worldly lifestyle that you used to live in. You don't have to hate them. You can still love them, but you may not be able to do that anymore. You may not be able to hang around that group of people anymore. It happened to me. Liable to happen to you. But God never takes anything away that he doesn't replace tenfold. And that, that's my opinion. It may not ever be a one-to-one comparison, you know, but I think that God always rewards our faith. Sometimes we gotta we gotta identify the problem, we gotta eliminate it, we gotta switch our environment. And in Mark 135, it says this simplified cowboy version. The next morning Jesus was saddled up way before daylight. He rode a far piece out into the pasture to be alone and pray. He changed his environment. He just wanted it to be him and God. And where he was staying with, you know, 12 disciples and whoever knows how many people are following him around, he needed to change his environment. When's the last time you changed your environment and just went off to be by yourself with God? Not just by yourself, with a focus of God. Might try it, be amazed at what it does. And then we've already kind of briefly mentioned this, and we're getting close to being done, so y'all are good, y'all are good. Develop good priorities and boundaries. That's one way to deal with, another way to deal with distractions, is to develop good priorities and boundaries. You have to have a good game plan, you know? And I'm like the worst at planning, I think. But even I know that when this happens, this is a distraction, and this is how, what works best for me to not let it affect me, not let it distract me, is by developing good priorities and boundaries. What I have learned, I'm only going to tell you what I have learned. I don't know what you have learned, okay? I have learned that there's usually two things that take up our days, the things that are important and the things that are urgent. And most of the time, the things that are important, truly important, aren't that urgent. But the things that are urgent usually aren't that important. So what if I have the the worst distractible person on the planet, being me, never been clinically diagnosed with ADHD or anything like that, but I'm sure I've Got it in spades, okay? But what I have learned to do is I try to get done one truly important thing every day and three urgent. That's where I start. And I don't, my day is not complete until I complete that one important thing and the three urgent things, okay? I'm not saying it's the world's greatest philosophy. It's not going to win me an Academy Award or it's not going to be rut written down in a book anywhere, but you have to know the difference between important and urgent. And and both of them, you know, you kind of have to do both of them, but I always chose to do the important things first because you know what? The urgent things, can you ever get done with those? They'll always be there. They'll, They'll be urgent every single day, but let's focus on the important first. Start with the important first, three urgent, set time limits, and stick with them. 
you know what? I have probably worked. I, that's how I finished the Simplified Cowboy version after 12 years was by following that example right there. The one important thing that I tried to do every day was get a chapter or two written. And then I took care of the urgent things, the emails, the callbacks, you know, the things that you still have to do. But I always did my, my urgent thing or my important things first. And listen, get enough sleep. I don't really, <laughs> you know, the, the uh, who was it, Elijah did battle with the prophets of Baal. And then he had to run and everybody and the queen was trying to kill him and blah, blah, blah. And, and Elijah got really upset. And so he laid down under a bush and he just wanted to die. He prayed to God to just kill him. He was tired of fighting. Everybody hated him. He was the only one following God. Poor, pitiful me. I'm a victim, right? Elijah. And you know what God did? He sent an angel to make him take a nap and get a snack. Never miss the importance of a nap and a snack, okay? Because listen, as funny as that is, a well-rested man can do more in eight hours than a tired man can do in 15. A well-rested man can get more done in eight hours than a tired man can get done in 12 to 15. Develop good priorities and boundaries in Colossians 3.25, Simplified Cowboy Version. Writing for the Lord isn't an excuse to do poor work. You are held to a higher standard because you're a top hand. People are watching you. People are watching you. And finally, two quick other notes, and then we're going to get out of here. First one being pay special attention to your thoughts. We already, we've already said that thoughts can be a distraction. But pay special attention to the way you're thinking because you know what? Your thoughts are the gateway to your heart. If you think you're worthless, your heart will start believing it. If you think you're better than everybody else, your heart will start believing it. Guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. And in 2 Corinthians 10.5, Simplified Cowboy Version, we rope every thought and break it to lead by obeying Christ. We take every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. If your thoughts are not in line with the Bible, do something about it. And it's a training regimen, okay? It's a training regimen in controlling your thoughts. But you are in control of them. Don't think differently. And finally, watch out for that old devil, okay? Watch out for him. The devil is all about distractions. The devil is all about distractions. Because here's something that religion doesn't want you to understand. The devil doesn't care if you're a Christian. The devil doesn't care if you're a Christian. The devil doesn't even really care that you're at church right now. The devil does not care as long as you are not praying like you should, as long as you're not reading the good book like you should. And if you don't ever get involved or tell anybody about Christ, the devil's not going to worry with you. But if you are, watch for him. Let's see who's calling me. I don't know. I think they realized. Let's see who it was. I don't know. I think it was Neil. He forgot. Watch out for the devil. Finally, 1 Peter 5.9. 1 Peter 5, 9. Keep both feet in the stirrups. Keep both feet in the stirrups of faith and don't turn your back on the devil. Man, you ain't got to be afraid of him. Don't turn your back on him, okay? He's real. People say, well, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know if I believe in the devil. Jesus did, and he said to watch out for him. So we should too. So finally, identify what is distracting you. Eliminate whatever distractions you can. Switch your environment. Develop good priorities and boundaries. Pay attention to the way you're thinking and watch out. For the devil. Last, uh, was a couple of nights ago, me and Cammie were laying in bed. She was watching TV and I was reading. And on the TV, I heard one of the characters say to the uh, somebody else, my wife is the nicest person on the planet. 
Why I heard that, I don't know. But as I'm sitting there reading and I hear this character on TV go, my wife is the nicest person on the planet. I turned to Cammie and I said, I used to say that about you. She looked at me, she goes, what do you mean by that? And I said, you're not the nicest person on the planet anymore. And she goes, well, why? And I said, let me tell you why, sweetheart. Because the other night, I am laying on my stomach asleep, and I'm facing towards my wife. She is facing away from me. And it's completely dark. I can't have any light, right? I, it has to be dark for me. She's facing away from me, and I'm, I'm asleep on my stomach, and I kind of rearrange. I kind of wake up for a second, and I look at my beautiful wife. and She's faced away from me. I can kind of see the silhouette. And it was like magic. She woke up, and she turned over. And in my mind's eye, we're like literally this far apart, like our noses, right? She's just like right here. And I can imagine her, all the love in her eyes. She's got a big smile on her face. And that is not what happened. That is not what happened. What happened next will be forever written on the scars of my newly healed heart. It is the reason that she is no longer the nicest person on the planet in my eyes. And I'll tell you what happens next week. When we dive into, what does it really feel like to be a Christian? What should you be feeling? Does being a Christian feel differently? We'll discuss that and more next time. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for all the ways that you love, provide, and protect us. But God, I want all of us to have an attitude of thankfulness for what Jesus did on the cross. Not an attitude of what have you done for me lately. God, increase our faith, increase our trust, increase our obedience to the man and mission of Jesus Christ. We ask the Holy Spirit for guidance, and we thank you, God, for loving us unconditionally. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.